You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Robinson the Cummins steers it down to third man. It's got plenty on it. Will it reach the right? They'll get at least a couple diving. It's full run. No. It's not over the boundary rope. Pat Cummins drops his battered helmet and wheels away in celebration. Well, welcome back to the show, and we have uh, a treat on the show now. Code Sports' Daniel Cherney, of course, was at Edgebaston last night, or daytime, his time, and he stayed up into the wee small hours of the morning after Australia's great two-wicket win over England in the first test of this Ashes series. Daniel, welcome to the show. Great, that's good to be with you. Mate, uh, as I said to you off-air, what are you doing still up? Shouldn't you be in bed by now? What, what time is it over there? <laughs> You would think so. Uh, I'm talking to you a bit after uh, after midnight. Just uh, to figure that out, actually. I don't know what day of the week it is anymore. But, um, yeah, no, it was a, it was a big day uh, at Edgebaston. Um, play finished after, at 7.21pm, to be precise, and it was still going until... And then we were still going uh, with press conferences and um, some interviews after that and running some colour pieces analysis and that um, until... Uh, deep into the night, so I was there till 11.30 or so, and I wasn't, wasn't the last one to leave, but uh, um, much worse places to be, and um, got to enjoy the Aussie singing the song as well, so um, no, so it's not a bad gig. So what, what was your take on it, mate? Where does this sit in the, uh, in the order of great test matches and great wins by Australia? Oh, look, I think it's, uh, it's, it's right up there. Uh, I think yeah, it's one from the top shelf. I think um, when, you, when you look at Australia's wins in their test history, Australia hasn't tended to win many uh, close matches over the years. Um, this was an exception. Australia's tended to be on, on the wrong side of it. I mean, you go back to Headingley 2019, Edgebaston 2005, uh, you know, you go back to the end of and there have been all manner of close losses for Australia over the years. So I think... Um, when you, when, in terms of where this stacks up, it, it, it's right up the top, and um, just an outstanding win for Australia. And, and to, to put on 55 for the, for the ninth wicket, um, you know, it uh, doesn't happen very often. So um, it was a bit of an escape, but uh, a, a sensational win. Is this Pat Cummins' finest hour as captain of Australia? Yeah, look, I think well, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to go past winning a World Test Championship final last week. I mean, that's a pretty significant effort in and of itself. But, you know, I think the Ashes, because of the mistake in the history and the fact that Cummins has played such a central role in it himself. I mean, I mean we forget that he took four crucial wickets in the, in the second innings as well, having not bowled particularly well in the first dig. Uh, and he made a really important first innings run too. I mean, he made 38 there, plus to go with his 44 not out here. Uh, he hadn't made that many in any test innings since late 2018. So, you know, he has really pulled it out when, when needed. Um, and in terms of an all-round performance, and to combat Baz Ball and to be able to sort of ride weather the storm, uh, you know, he was criticised a bit for his field placements on day one, but it kept Australia in the test. And they were there until the very end, and... And Cummins was the one driving them home. So, 
uh, I think it has it has to be to this point. Uh, I mean, they've got a chance to win a, an Ashes series, um, a World Test Championship, which they've already done, and, and he's going to capture them to a one day World Cup later this year. So, I mean, it always shaped as a legacy defining year for this team. Um, they they blew a chance in India, where they were in the first two Test matches, particularly the the second. They were right in that one and, and could have won, but um, but blew it. Sort of an hour or two of madness. Uh, on uh, on day three, I think it was, and uh, but uh, they, they've got a chance now to win an away Ashes series, and they're one nil up um, to go with potentially one or two world crowns. Usman Khawaja, tell us about his evolution, and uh, he was the rock they had to bat around in both innings, wasn't he? And uh, and uh, I think without him, this is just not possible. Oh yeah, and no, I think that that's fair. I mean. You look at Australia's top four, and ultimately you need, you know, bowlers win your test, but you also need, but without some solid contributions from from some of your key batters, it's very hard to get it done. And Travis Head had an okay test, made an important 50, and, you know, he, he, came, he was obviously brilliant in the World Test Championship final. Uh, but uh, when you look at Australia's top four, uh, David Warner was okay in the second innings, made an important 36, but Marnus, Slabashan, and Steve Smith both failed in both innings. So Usman had to get, a job, get the job done and he had been, you know, he's, he's, he's really struggled historically in England. Uh, a bit like Pat Cummins, you know, he made, he made his two biggest scores in England in this match. He faced more than 500 balls. Uh, had a, you know, a tiny bit of luck, but um, you know, for the most part, he was he batted sensibly, um, you know, classily, uh, yeah, maybe a touch slowly on, on, on the final day, you, you could argue, but uh, you know, he was probably just exhausted by the end of it. I think he sort of he was just trying to absorb it uh, as much as anything. And you know, he ground uh, himself and, and he grounded it, grounded out to ensure that Australia was in a position where they could win at the end. And uh, with you know, as you said, without Kawaja's foundation, there would be no Cummins and Lyon heroics at the end. Yeah, I felt last night before the day's play, I thought Kawaja probably needed to make 70 or 80 and then a couple of other blokes needed to make 30 or 40. And they actually got sort of like three or four 20s and 30s and Kawaja made nearly <laughs> 70s. And that, that was sort of like where the runs came from. Did the did England preparing a fairly flat track, which which clearly helps baseball batting, did that also help us and, and help Kawaja in particular? Because he does play very much from the crease, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he does. That's a, that's a really good point. Uh, and look, I think that was always going to be, um, you know, the catch twenty-two for England. That if they prepared these sort sort of wickets, and to be fair, it's not as though, you know, it's not like I suppose India, where uh, the, the the curators are um, are uh, part of the team. You know, have the year. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a bit of a story, but yeah, I, I, I don't think you know what I was trying to say here. Uh, have the year of have the year of the authorities. And to be fair, I don't think England was particularly particularly wrapped with the deck and how how slow it was. I think they would have liked a bit more bounce in it. Although I'm not sure that suits their um, their, their attack. Uh, and this is a challenge for England. Their, their attack uh, is now they are three outstanding bowlers in in Anderson, Broad, and Ellie Robinson. But uh, particularly in certain conditions, and Ben Broad had a great test, and Robinson, uh, for all his faults, um, you end up having a pretty good match too. But uh, you know they are they obviously benefit from you know, traditional conventional English green seamers, but their batters 
don't really benefit from that. And, and obviously, that's always a trade-off, particularly so with Baz Ball, where they do prefer the flat wickets to allow them to attack and, I suppose, play to their, their batters' strengths in that respect. Uh, but I, I do wonder, in the end, that's perhaps why they couldn't get the job done. Uh, yeah, having said that, they were very, very close. So it's not as though they're, they're a million miles off the, off the pace here. But, uh, yeah, I suppose you could say it probably did hurt them in the end because um, they, you know, they they didn't take a lot of wickets with the ball uh, nipping around. It was a little bit from a couple of patches. I mean, Stuart Broad, particularly uh, early in, in both of Australia's innings, was influential in that regard. But it was not certainly, it was certainly not a, a massive theme of the test. And, you know, I guess it was the other thing that really hurt them in the end was not having Moen Ali um, you know, properly functioning or really a, a fully functional spinner on the final day. All there, Joe Root did a very good job himself as, as a part-timer, but, you know, they didn't have anyone in the class of Nathan Lyon. Uh, and, you know, Lyon took eight wickets for the match, which was significantly more than, than, than Ali and, and Root together. Yeah, no, good point. And also, he made that very handy uh, 16 not out, of course, in the end. The, the, the lofted shot off Stuart Brawl, Broad when Broad took the new ball over mid-on, that has to be the career-best shot for Nathan Lyon, I would think. If, if Nathan Lyon ever plays a better shot than that, we'll all know about it because that's the best one I've ever seen him play. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's had some limited uh, stroke play over his career. He's a he's funny line. I mean, he works very hard in his batting. I think it's something that's, that's, he works hard on everything to do with his cricket, Nathan Lyon. He's just a very um, diligent cricketer. Uh and his, his batting's been funny in the sense that he, you know, I think when he came into Test cricket, he, he really looked like a, a bit of a bunny and, and looked a long way off the pace. And then he had this period around 2018 or so where he was very a really good run, and he was sort of making consistently useful contributions in the lower order, and sort of the peak of Australia's um, lower order batters for, for, for a brief period. Uh, and then that sort of died away over the last three or four years, just until. Um, the India tour actually made a really um, made 34, I think, in, in Ahmedabad. So he did enter this this test on the back of a little bit of batting form, um, but you know I, I didn't think he had it in him uh, to get them over the line uh, for, from that position. I mean, famously in Pat Cummins' first test way back in 2011, when Cummins hit the winning runs and was man of the match on debut against South Africa, Cum, uh, Lyon was was the next man in and sat there really nervously, hoping that uh, he wouldn't have to bat, and, and he didn't. Um, so for him, who is a, you know, a notoriously nervous cricketer uh, at the best of times, for him to get that done, um, outstanding. And, you know, I think also just some redemption for him, given, you know, he was probably never, never going to live down what happened at Headingley and, and the fumble. Um, but to, to do that today, especially if it goes... Um, you know, uh, is sends Australia to win a, in a way Ashes series in what has been one of his bucket list items. Then I think it, it will be a, a full-on redemption story, and he's uh, he's taken a lot, Australia a fair way to that target. Um, the big moment in the test, in from England's point of view, in terms of getting away from them, was it the declaration on day one when Ben Stokes gambled on getting a couple of wickets and didn't get them? Was it Joe Root's shot to get out when he was in total command in the second innings? Or was it the fact they played their second best keeper and not their best keeper and he fumbled a few? <laughs> Look, all three of those moments, you could say, were um, were key, uh, were, were critical moments in the match. But I think there's, there's, a, there's nuance required with all three. And they're all sort of, you know, they're all 
um, moments which you know which show the the delicate balance which lives within the baseball philosophy. Uh, and the declaration, you know, was an aggressive move. Um, but you know, England had made 393, and you know, I suppose they could have got a few more in the end, and, and you know, maybe that did cost them. But you know, that's an ultimate reality that you can't know, and that's a hypothetical. Um, and I, I suppose generally you wouldn't declare. But you know, had they got David Warner out late on day one, or Rizma Kalaja, and they could have. Um, then suddenly we're, we're, we're talk, having a very different conversation. Uh, you know, I don't think they lost per se because they declared the, the root shot. Yeah, look, it was it looked ugly, but he also played um, he also played some very unorthodox shots to great effect during the test, and, and took the game on um, in, in both of his knocks. So, yeah, again, um, if you, can you can you have your cake and eat it too? Possibly not. Uh, and then with Bairstow, well, you feel a bit for Bairstow because he batted really well uh, in the first innings, made a really important contribution with Root to help England to that total. But yeah, his keeping was um, was pretty poor. And I think I think it's not about not having Johnny Bairstow in the eleven. I think he is clearly in England's best eleven at the moment. It's just whether he's the keeper, uh, and it probably did hurt them. I mean, we'll never know whether. Ben folks would have taken all those chances, but you'd think he probably would have made, taken more than, than Besto would have. Uh, and I suppose then it's who would otherwise miss out. I mean, probably Zach Crawley was the most vulnerable player, but he made important first things runs. So it's not as simple as if, if you know if this had, hadn't happened, that would have happened, or vice versa. But you know, all these topics are are, um, are reasonable, and there's certainly reasonable questions to be asked, particularly in a match which. Uh, goes down to the wire like it did. Yeah, fantastic test match. I think it's going to be a fantastic Ashes series, Daniel, and and really look forward to reading your stuff on Code Sports. I think you have a a very highbrow and intelligent analysis of these things and a a great take on it. And if people want to catch up with Daniel's stuff, it'll be there on Code Sports today for your reading pleasure. Daniel, thanks so much for staying up and sharing your insights with us and uh, enjoy it, mate. It's going to be a ripper, I think. Thanks, Duff. Pleasure. Daniel Cherney, still up in Birmingham, and uh, uh, make sure you get onto Code Sports and, and read some of his stuff. It'll be uh, very entertaining, very insightful, very intelligent take on what was a truly great test match. We'll take a break. What do you think? You can have your say on the Temper at Bedshed text line on 0487 736 736, or you can call us on the open line 13 12 55.